Hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast. My name is Michael, and we are here today as part of this new series of podcasts, Journeying Through the Realms, to discuss the Planescape setting. Planescape was originally published as a box set in 1994 for the second edition of Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. It was designed and written by David Zeb Cook. And joining me today to talk about Planescape is my guest, Luke Hare. Luke, welcome back to the show, buddy. How are you? Oh, thank you for having me back on. I'm doing well. It is a bit nippy as like it is January 8th as we are recording this. And we had a cold snap, at least here in Columbus. Yeah, we uh, we got our first actual snow of the season about, eh, I think it was between four and eight inches. I think the wind blew it. So like when we took our measurement, it was seven inches, but I don't actually think it was seven inches everywhere. Yeah. But it was still a pretty good snow for us here in southeast Kentucky. We only had like maybe an inch of snow, but it's had like really big flakes. And so just like you feel texture as you're walking by it type of snow. Mm-hmm. Very absolutely just Midwestern snow. <laughs> so again, we're here today to Scott to talk about Planescape. So this is the I think the sixth or seventh of these that I have done, and this is actually the second time that we've done this one. So uh, we got together about like eight months ago mm-hmm. and recorded the first version of this, and then you were in the process of prepping for a Planescape game, and then a few weeks after we recorded, you're like, um. I kind of feel like maybe I left out like most of the setting because we mostly talked about sigil or sigil, however you say it. Sigil. So you said, let's, let's do another version. Let, now that I've kind of reread everything, got a, bit, a little bit more familiarity top of mind. So I just want to say thank you for your willingness to do that. A, to join me to begin with and two, be like, no, I think I could do a better job. So thank you for that. Yeah. No, I am happy to come on and reveal how much I thought I knew and how little of I knew because like Sigil is an undeniable part of Planescape but like if you're talking about Planescape as a setting that would be like talking about the entire earth but focusing entirely on New York City like it's Mm -hmm. a big place there's a lot of like main things going on in there that have far-reaching effects to the rest of the earth but uh no that's like a horribly small view of what it is Gotcha. So again, once again, thank you for doing that, but we're going to jump into the show. So I like to start with these was what is your Planescape origin story? So when did you first kind of come in contact with Planescape? You know, were you a DM? Were you a player? Did you get the box set? So just kind of tell us on how you first ran into that setting. Uh, so initially, like almost 20 years ago now, as I feel very old, uh, like the Planescape Torment uh, computer game, uh, had come out, and there was a lot of, like, these Game of the Year awards, but my family was not a good computer game, or a not... We did not have a good gaming computer, but I had this, like, fascination with it. And so, mm-hmm. eventually, I got into D&D 3.5, and, like, they stopped publishing and really supporting it uh, once Second Edition was done. About... Two or three years ago, I finally got Planescape Torment because it was on the Switch. Realized that it was really hard to play because it was a 20-year-old game that was not designed for handheld devices. And so I just like put that down for a while. Joined into a campaign that was Planescape-inspired. Okay. Using a lot of things like the Outer Planes. That got me interested in reading more initially with just like web resources because there is a large fan community for this setting that is out there. Mm-hmm. And then when you posted looking for someone to talk to about Planescape, I was like, oh, yeah, I know all about Planescape. I know enough to talk about. And I said a lot of things that were very short-sighted. And so since then, I started to do a lot more reading. Like, I have pretty much bought all of the digital books that they've released onto the various websites. And Mm -hmm. out of those, the Hell War box set is the last thing that I have. So I have pretty much read everything except for like the two novels that they had written. And I, I tried going back to Planescape Torment, but it's like, 
no, I'm not in the mood for reading tiny texts on a right. handheld. And and to be fair and to be clear, when I first decided to do this series of podcasts, my goal wasn't necessarily to bring on the most expert of experts ah. on the settings. I wanted to bring on people who love these settings. Mm-hmm. You know, just like I have a love for Eberron, but I don't know it nearly as well as a lot of other people. So, you know, the fact that you may not have been the most educated in the world was totally fine the first time. Uh, but Planescape is such a big and broad, expansive place. I mean, it literally is all of the planes mm-hmm. that I think your uh, sort of your metaphor that, you know, talking about only one city uh, probably makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, so let's dive into the Planescape. And again, we're still only going to cover a small percentage of it. Again, yeah. I want to be clear. But what is it about Planescape that you think sets it apart from a lot of the other? And for the most part, we've always used Forgotten Realms as sort of the default mm-hmm. for all of these conversations. And I don't necessarily believe that. I personally don't really think Forgotten Realms is a great setting. It's probably one of my least favorite of all of them. But I do think it's the one that most people are most familiar with. And it's also a very tolkien-esque lord of the rings medieval european fantasy setting so i think it makes a good basis point to start to compare again and we're not comparing better or worse just different so what do you think makes planescape uh, immediately comes to mind when this is different than that what do you think that is so the biggest thing is that it is sort of representative of a sea change of how dungeons and dragons is played between like second edition and onward because okay. it it's a setting where all the books are like hey your characters aren't supposed to murder everything cuz otherwise you're going to be punching way above your belt when you go into the various hells of the world you need to like have beliefs for your character you need to like think things out and discuss things and uh as far as i've gotten from like reading what i have that was a big change it's like oh yeah every adventure is like hey remember you aren't supposed to try and murder everything here are the like bars of experience that you get to get if you do actual tasks like talking to someone and helping them with a problem as opposed to you're in a dungeon you are killing everything that you come across that's your goal mm-hmm. yeah and for me when i started Again, I started with the Red Box, the Mincer Red Box edition, and in, 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 I think in like eighty five ish somewhere in there, mm-hmm. uh, that was absolutely what we did. You know, then that was the, gay, the way the way that was the way the game was presented. Is that pretty much it was always a dungeon crawl? You go back to town, rest up, heal up, and then you'd go back into either a different dungeon or go deeper into that dungeon, and pretty much you killed everything you found and you took its treasure, and then you rinsed and repeated went on. Um, and I think, and again, I think that's still a ton of fun to play it. Mm-hmm. That way, and there's nothing wrong with it. But as I matured and got older and became what I like to think of as a better storyteller, I wanted to mix in more elements of who are we talking to, what do they want, why are we, you know, what sort of relationship do we want to build with these people, have different factions and secrets and that kind of thing. So I do think that's sort of a natural development of the game as it as it matured as well. Uh, but it's kind of interesting that you see that as like a big sort of step forward from those two styles of play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, I, again, just do you have anything else you want to add there before we move on? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the the other big thing was that it was sort of this metaphysical approach to the workings of Dungeons and Dragons, where it's basically, hey, we're going to peel back the screen here and say, if you're summoning a uh, magical fireball to throw at your enemies, where does it come from? But at the same time. When you have one too many fireballs thrown at you, where are you going to go when you die based on your beliefs? And so mm-hmm. it, it starts building this series of rules that are more refining a series of rules because a lot of these places were at least mentioned in first edition, but they weren't really built out. Okay. And so it's these infinite places that are crossing over with each other and... People from different backgrounds and ideologies having arguments about nature and what, like, reality is, and they generally all have some sort of valid points. It's a setting where you could reasonably go anywhere and do almost anything. Right. 
So, and again, I guess to be clear, the, what the setting of Planescape is, it is literally all of the planes that exist within the Dungeons & Dragons universe, which the prime material plane is the one where adventures take place. Like when you start off as an adventurer, whether you're in Eberron or Forgotten Realms or Dark Sun, I think those are all basically you're considered to be in the prime material plane of whatever version of the game you're playing in. Mm -hmm. But then there are all these other planes of existence, which include like elemental planes of air and fire and water. Then there's also like the hells, like the various levels of hell where demons and devils reside. And there's also planes of like the heavens where all the gods and deities exist. So Planescape is essentially a setting that lets you go into any of those mm -hmm. that you want. But obviously some of them are more well-defined than others. Some of them are just like, this is a plane of air where the places like Sigil is a city that sort of exists at like the nexus point of all of these. It's, it's how you go or one of the ways that you can go to any and all of them. Um, again, just to give a basis idea of what the setting is, is there anything else you would add to that? Yeah. So a lot of it is guided by like three core ideas within the design uh it's the, okay it's the rule of three so like things come in three so there's like the material plane but then there's also the outer planes and the inner planes uh there's the unity of rings which is this idea that like everything eventually returns to a point where it started and there's this idea of the center of all there is a like center point that all of the adventures connect to. And so these are reflected in this massive cosmology because there are like the inner planes, which are uh, the sources of energy based on the four classic elements, as well as positive and negative energy. There's the outer planes, which are the like planes of ideas where gods live and people go when they die, or sometimes when they just want to get closer to their God. And it uh, is based on the like classic, uh, alignment system. So it's, you have your, like, evil planes, but it ranges from, like, neutral evil, lawful evil, chaotic evil, and then, like, on the opposite side of that map, you have your, like, good aligned planes with that same variety, but then, like, mm -hmm. oh, you also have, what is a purely lawful plane going to be like? And that's Mechanus, where it's all these robotic beings called the Madrons, live and they have like humans and uh other uh humanoid creatures who are trying to understand the laws here and then you have like the chaotic plane of limbo where everything is sort of this raw energy that can be shaped if you're willing to like put your mind to it but then like going back to that whole idea of rules of threes also connected to that prime material plane you have the ethereal plane which is between the inner planes and the material plane, which is where, like, raw bits of this, like, natural energy from the inner planes leak out, and you can start building with these blocks of reality, and the astral plane, which is between the material plane and the outer plane, and it's described as sort of the backstage of a reality where gods vanish to when they die, and where you're literally moved by your ideas. And, like, then, sort of going with that center of all idea, you also have the Outlands, which is kind of, like, the center of everything in another way, because, like, all these planes are sort of conceptual on a level. Like, the books explicitly say that, like, oh, these planes are infinite, but also you can move between them, because you're trying to move between them, otherwise you just sort of wander around endlessly on most of these places. Mm -hmm. And the Outlands is uh, this infinite plane with gate towns to the outer planes, and these gate towns like correspond to each of the outer planes, where if their mindset as like a society aligns too much to the alignment of that plane, they all sort of get dragged in to that main plane as a whole, and a new iteration of that town appears, which is great if it's like, oh yeah, we're trying to get everybody to go into heaven. But on the other hand, if you're like on the edge of one of the hells, uh, everyone's just going to hell. That's not good. No. And then like at the center of the outlands is an infinitely tall spire where as you get closer to it, 
magic starts to cease to work. And, like, if you're within a mile of it, gods are essentially being rendered as mortal. And at the top of this, once again, dealing with pure, like, uh, concepts, at the top of this infinitely tall spire is the city of Sigil, which is a, like, tire-shaped ring where, like, all along the inside of the tire are buildings and... It's called the City of Doors because there are doors that, if you have the key or know how to open it, you can go to anywhere. But it's mm-hmm. also called the Cage because you have people who are trapped inside for various reasons. Right, and I know we, we spent a lot of time talking about Sigil the first time, and you know, again, we've already stated it's a super important part, but it's not the only part. But it is a super important part of of Planescape, and I think. Because of it's still a game where you have adventures, it's probably more interesting to talk about Sigil than it is the infinite plane of air. Because it's just the infinite plane of air. Now, there might be something there that you go to, but still, it's a little bit different. So let's spend a little bit of time talking about Sigil and, you know, sort of like what it brings to the setting. Mm -hmm. So, uh, like I said earlier, it's sort of the New York City of the Planescape setting itself. Uh, it's this massive city, and it's defined by the Lady of Blades, who is the ruler of Sigil, who prevents gods and other beings from that level from entering the city on her own force, and who is this pretty much omnipotent, or almost omnipotent figure, who there are infinite, like, questions about her, because she does not want to be worshipped, she does not want to be messed with, and, like, it's wonderful having a character who, on a level, you'll never find out more about her. Sigil was also home to the factions, which were various groups that were based around different ideas of what is life about. And it's, uh, like, well, do you think that uh, your life should be spent trying to understand the rules so you can literally find your ways around the rules of reality or are you aspiring to reach godhood personally or is life utterly pointless or should you take what is yours because if you take it it belongs to you and there are these fascinating groups that all have their own take on what everything is supposed to be and for a lot of Planescape campaigns it's asking you to be members of these different factions who have to work together in those ideas while having, or being part of these factions while having different mechanical effects are supposed to, like, get you into arguments. Like, hey, if you don't think that gods are really omnipotent beings and you are all on a quest for a god, how is that going to affect your relationship with another person who thinks that, oh, no, if I work hard enough, I can ascend to godhood myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, I think Sigil, it works really well as a point of a setting because you have this sort of enigmatic, almost, almost omnipotent figure that, from what I understand, and again, I know very little about the setting, so you might correct me, Basically, she just wants you to not mess with anything. Yeah. Like, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want her attention. So anything you're doing as an adventure is probably going to bring attention. You're either trying to take something or trying to get something back. You're trying to fight something. You're trying to avoid fighting something. Any of those things that you do very well might bring the attention of the lady. Is it Lady of Blades? Also the Lady of Pain, I believe is one of her, uh, names. So you want to, you have that fun sort of, element to a story of you can't just go around kicking doors down, swinging your sword because eventually you're going to run afoul of the Lady of Blade. Uh, There's also a faction that happily works as the police force within Mm. who are very much lawful to lawful evil in their alignments and they generally just take a good amount of joy out of beating up anyone who does not see the way that they do... Like, the Lady of uh, Blades... Am I... I thought it was Lady of Pain, but I... I may have totally... Yeah, no, shoot. I... 
I had written it down wrong in my notes. Yeah, the Lady of Pain. Sorry about that. It's it has been a week. Uh yeah. No worries. So the Lady of Pain typically does not show up because like if you're breaking into a house, there's a police force for that. But like in some of the campaigns, there is a cult that pops up to worship the Lady of Pain because they love her. And mm-hmm. she shows up and people start dying because her shadow casts uh, basically spells that just rip people apart if they stay under there. Uh, like, if you have drawn her attention, you have majorly messed up. Like, there's street gangs and those generally get ignored or there's minor larceny. No, if you, if you attract the attention of the Lady of Pain, something bad has happened. And there there are other, like, factions that exist within the city. Uh, there's Estevan, who is a ogre mage who runs the Planar Trade Consortium, which is basically, hey, we're trying to get trade set up all across the universe. Uh, there's uh, Shameshka the Marauder, who is a Arcanoloth, which is a uh, type of infernal a uh, magic user who has her hooks into underworld crime and nothing gets by without her. And, like, you get a lot of interesting characters. There's even a supplemental book that they put out that is just like, hey, here's like 20 or so characters, what their deal is, and some hooks for adventures. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that's, that's kind of interesting about Planescape, especially again in, in the city of Sigil, is the power scaling is just makes no sense. You know, I mm-hmm. think it, you know, if you're planning out an adventure and we're talking probably a little bit more about that in a little bit, either you wait until your characters are pretty high level before you would put them in a place like Sigil, or you put them there early to reinforce. You can't just go knocking down doors and swinging swords. Cause there literally could be a God, you know, little G and, you know, D and D terms on the other side of that door, which has like, you know, infinite hit points, 37,000 strength. Like there's just the, the, the difference between your fifth level adventurer and this being, you're just playing literally different games. Mm-hmm. You could not hurt them if you tried. So that's why you have to be a little bit more, you know, um, thoughtful about how you go about approaching different issues. You can't, you can't literally just knock down doors and kill things because it won't work in this game, but you can still do that. If you're careful and and you plan it out, which I think it almost turns into like a heist sort of a scenario. It's like, okay, we, we need to do this thing, but we can't let this person or this organization know about it. You know, you're trying to steal from the casino type of thing mm-hmm. where the, the boss of the casino is the lady of pain or, or one of these other factions. Yeah. Um, so again, so we, last time we spent way too much time talking about Sigil. So we're going to jump from there. Are there any other, locations, whether it be ruins, cities, citadels, keeps that you think are particularly of interest that we can talk about briefly or maybe list a few out to talk about some of the differences between them before we move on. So I I feel like getting into any of those other ones is kind of like taking away from the experience. Like there are adventures that are set in these places, but they're not really a hub or a center of everything in the same way that Sigil is. Like, most of them have maybe a page or so of description. They're all kind of treated equally. Like, each of the gate towns sort of have their own uh, establishing views. But a lot of the time, you're going on missions that are taking you to a few separate locations. And it's kind of a lot about the contrast of these very different ideas. So, we've talked about the Lady of Pain. You've talked about some of these, you know, factions that are in there. Um, and again, you have an infinite number of planes, so you have full freedom to make up anything and everything you want, as you always do in D&D. Mm-hmm. But are there any other particular interesting either features about Planescape or other, you know, locations, NPCs, or storylines that you would like to touch on? Oh, yeah. Uh, so in terms of, like, the D&D meta plot for people who care about that, like, there is a massive storyline that carries through between a few different adventures. And so, like, spoilers for something that's over 20 years old, probably 25 years, which was the resurrection of Orcus, who was one of the great big evil gods 
Uh, so in one of the adventures, The Great Modern March, uh, a greatly depowered Orcus who is hiding as the god Tenebrius kills off Primus, who is the god of the Modrons, and takes his throne more or less and sends all the Modrons out to try and find out what has happened to his power. And the way that the Great Modern March is set up is you are dealing with the Modrons, not directly, but through like a series of their adventures as they're going across all of the outer planes. So like one of the first ones is you are uh, in this like very peaceful town in a lawful good area and uh, the people forgot that they're, like, mayor, because this uh, walk only happens every, like, 5,000 years or so. I'm blanking on the exact number. But a long period of time, the people of this town basically rebuilt right in the middle of their path. And because the moderns have this, like, contract with the mayor from all those years ago, they're like, yeah, no, they obviously have to know that we are still going to come through here. So... They just start walking through the town, not caring about the lives of the people, not caring about the buildings, not caring about anything else. And so there are millions of them at this point. And your job is to try and save as many people as you can. But, like, Mm -hmm. as this path goes around, like, you get to points where, oh, no, there are, like, cults who are harvesting them for parts and doing a bunch of evil stuff. And it, it's this fascinating view of, like, what is your relationship to these creatures that I think in some ways may be more interesting as a, hey, you should read this instead of a, you should necessarily play this adventure. But uh, as, like, the years go on that this adventure takes place, Orcus uh, ends up finding what happened to his powers in another adventure called Dead Gods, where half of that... Adventure is basically, you need to stop him from getting his wand, otherwise he can revive himself. And Mm. ultimately he does get his power back, because, I mean, everyone just loves looking into the DNG, and it's like, oh yeah, I definitely want to get that wand of Orcus someday. Mm -hmm. Um, But then the other major storyline uh was in the faction war where the leader of the faded who are essentially like extreme libertarians whatever you get via your power is yours to keep he tries to supplant the lady of pain and he makes a major mistake where he gets stuck in a loop of his failures at three different points in his life that just keeps him spiraling back because it's the idea of the rule of threes, the center mm. of all, and uh, the uh, ring. And it, it it's this, like, fascinating piece, but it ends with the Lady of Pain banning all factions from Sigil. And it was not intended to be the end of the, like, setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, there, I, I think there was an interview where it's like, yeah, we were going to keep it for maybe a year or two. And then it's like, oh, no, we're going to do third edition now. And so it appears very briefly at the end of uh, Die, Vecna, Die, which is sort of the end of advanced D&D. But Sigil just feels underdeveloped in it. Like, the writing in the Planescape books all has, like, this voice where sometimes it will insult you, sometimes it will get sassy with you, and it has a sort of, like, cockney slang to it. And hmm. here it just feels off. It's like, oh, yeah, all the factions are gone. We don't really know what that means, but you just need to go and have one big battle at the end. And, like, it ends with the Lady of Pain needing to be saved by the party and then actively talking to the party. And it's like, no, this feels wrong. This is like a a sequel to a movie that's made by someone else. Mm. And then... It's not, not pieces of a whole type of situation. Yeah. And so, like, Weirdly, after the line was done, that was when Planescape Torment got released, but there hasn't been a full adventure set in the Planescape setting. A lot of stuff has been, like, incorporated into D&D, except for 4th edition, where they tried to, like, come up with their own cosmology of how everything worked that I 
don't think people like because it didn't make as much sense. Uh, but yeah, right, and this is the point where we 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 I know we said it the first time again, which is like eight months ago. But there are rumors that there will be a Planescape for fifth edition. It has basically been rumored since fifth edition came out. But we know that there's going to be at least two new setting books coming out in 2022. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe one of them has already been announced. It's going to be a re do redone version of the Critical Role Taladore setting, I think, because that came out. Like, uh, I think Green Ronin published that originally. And I I could be completely wrong, so please don't quote me on this. But I think that we know that one is going to be a critical role-related setting, and the other is still rumored to possibly be Dark Sun, Spelljammer, or Planescape. Mm -hmm. So there's still a chance we're going to get a 5th edition version of Planescape coming, but nothing's been officially announced yet that I've seen. Yeah, I know the rumor is that it's Spelljammer because, like, one of the alternate arts for the cover is the uh, space hamster. Mm. But, uh, like, Planescape and Spelljammer sort of existing as separate lines are kind of weird because it's like, uh, Planescape eventually has to be like, yeah, so here's how Phlogiston works in the cosmology. And, like, you can have Spelljammer stuff, and that's great, but, you know, typically we want you to get to places by, like, moving yourself and not using ships. Mm Mm-hmm. So when you think about Planescape, what type of adventures do you think that setting works better for maybe than like a Forgotten Realms type of adventure? Now, obviously, Forgotten Realms, again, is so expansive. You could have cosmic level adventures happening in Forgotten Realms type of a thing. But, you know, for, for the sake of the argument, if you're thinking about a Planescape adventure, what instantly comes to mind is this is what a Planescape adventure should be like. These are the things that you should probably be doing as an adventurer in those. So, uh, like I had said up at the top, it it's definitely a setting where you want to think things through and talk through things with people who you meet, where your role-playing is going to be as important as how you're rolling, which seems really unremarkable now, but, like, the books insult you if you were like, hey, yeah, if you're going to be a Burke and try and murder everything, then you're going to pay the price for that. But, uh, like, it's also a place where you need to talk things out and think creatively because the magic is different on every plane. So, like, if you're on the elemental plane of water, for example, and you shoot a fireball, you're going to get a bunch of steam. Uh, If you're on some planes, uh, like Mechanus, which I mentioned before, if you try to use a divination spell and you are not lawful aligned, it is just going to fail. Which I think is one of those things that is probably why they're like, you know, this is a bit too rules heavy to bring all this stuff into 5th edition. Uh, But, like, it really works well as a way to disrupt your players from their normal case of action and reaction, assuming that they are typically kill first, ask questions later, and maybe use an identify spell on the loot. And in mm. in a way, like, Planescape has really influenced the larger part of the Indie as a whole. Like, even the idea of Tieflings, who are now, like, a standard race in 5th edition, started in Planescape. Mm-hmm. And it, it also generally works well with these adventures that are going to change in scale or deal with big ideas that maybe start small. Like... When the entire universe is a playground, you you need to have these big things. Like, there's an adventure where the party is sent by an insurance agency to look into a stolen ship, but that ship is part of the war between devils and demons, and is this massive freighter made out of living larvae that drives anyone who gets too close to it into absolute madness. So I wanted to touch on just a just this more of like a DM sort of theory or or tip, I guess, Mm -hmm. is when I think about as an adventurer where we have the possibility of jumping into these different planes of existence that have these different rules. There's two things I think would be fun for, for me as a player. One is if I don't know the rules and that's the fun is to try to figure out the rules and in that case, the consequences can't just be immediately you die. Yeah. Oh, you cast Fireball here? Sorry, everyone in the party's dead. TPK, sorry, you should have known better. 
I don't think that's fun. Mm-hmm. But it would be kind of cool to go into a world like, oh, I, I cast Fireball. Oh, well, actually here, when you cast Fireball, this happens. And it's like oh, it's sort of like an unwind in a mystery box. Like, oh, you know, is it more powerful? So then I can use like cantrips that do Fireball damage and Fireball is like a, you know, a nuclear weapon. Or is it less effective where, okay, instead of using Fireball, I want to like use like a meta magic feat and make water ball, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. The other side of that is if I have time to know these rules and then I get to plan for them. That's more of like the uh, Ocean's Eleven heisty sort of things. Like, okay, well, when we go here, everyone needs to remember we can't say the word spoon, okay? Mm-hmm. And then when we go here, we have to make sure we're all holding left hands together. Like, I think that could be the two, what I see as the two fun elements of those wildly disparate types of places is either the figuring things out as you go along kind of fun or let's do all the planning and see if we can like find our way through it the most efficient way possible. So I guess this is sort of like a DM tip theory, which way you want to go with your party, think about it and maybe give them the opportunity to explore both. But the consequences again, can't be immediate death. If you just happen to cast the wrong spell Mm -hmm. in the wrong plane, either they need to know not to do that, or you've got to find some way to not kill them all, but let them know, Hey, if you do it again, you're dead. So you can't be using your fireball spells here. Or you give them substantial warning. Like, it, it, it's also a, if you're going to be, like, sending them to these places, you need to still, like, give them an onboarding ramp, you need to give them time to adjust, and you need to give them some sort of rewards for how they're adjusting. The, I did a very bad Planescape campaign last year, where I I was trying to do a lot of things, and I ended up doing none of them well. I was trying to do, like, a Western Marches-style campaign, where it's like, oh, yeah, uh, you're going to, uh, like, not need to be here for every session every week, but also I want to give you a different location each week. And not only is it a lot of work to be like, okay, well, how are your spells going to be affected? Because now we're dealing with, like, multiple types of spells when previously it was like, oh, are you a wizard or are you a cleric? Those are the only spells that you really have to worry about. Uh, but it's also just like, you don't get a taste for the areas as much if you're trying to do a different spot every week. Right. I think what came to my mind is like Mega Man. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm old, so like Mega Man 2 is the one that I go to. But it's like, okay, we can fight Water Guy, but if we fight Earth Guy first, then the power we get from there makes Water Guy easy. Or we can do Bubble Man, but we need the gravity, you know, the, there's a, there's, you can do them in any order, mm-hmm. but there's definitely a correct order to do them. So it makes it easier that you have the weapon you need against the other one. So that could be a fun version of a Planescape game as well. It's like, okay, these are the, like, you may just make an elemental thing you gotta do the fire earth water wind what type of thing but the order you do them in can make it harder or easier based off of which one you do next type of a thing yeah the the core of the idea that i was doing was like the party needed to go to each of the planes but it's like if you try and go to the elemental plane of fire without protection you're just going to be burnt alive and it's like well so that means you need to do work to get what you need there and once again, trying to do one plane every week, even with the outer planes, which are less instant murdery, was still just a... Yeah. I mean, the efforts there, I applaud that. I have I have a, a graveyard of failed dead campaigns in my past, so at least the effort I will acknowledge and appreciate and, and congratulate you on. Um, so do you have a favorite memory, either as a DM or a player, in a Planescape campaign that you've played or ran in? Something just comes to mind as like, oh, I love that moment, and it probably only would have happened in a Planescape game. Uh, yeah, so in a campaign that I'm in that is called the Outlands campaign, but the GM had totally mind-blinked that the Outlands was a thing. Uh, like, we got our first mission where we just had to go to a mysterious door which brought us to Sigil. And the Outlands is like this mix of small fortifications, uh, ruins, and then like various natural features, so like mountains, deserts, etc. And Sigil was the first place that we entered that was a full, lively city with like people being carried around on palakins and one of our major enemies, who was a vampire, was just, like, casually sitting and talking to some mind flayers, and 
despite being a weird party, this was all just like, oh no, no one really cares about us here. It it, it kind of replicated that small town kid in a big city experience for us. Mm. Nice. <laughs> um, so let's say we have someone who is interested in Planescape. They they maybe have heard about it before, but now they've got a lot more information. They want their next campaign to be a Planescape campaign. What is one or a couple main piece of advice you would give to a DM who's about to run their first Planescape campaign? The biggest one that I learned from my failed campaign is focus on like three different settings for your full adventure arc, not just because of the rule of threes, but especially if you're going to be incorporating like planar magic rules, because if you try and do too many places, the differences of like visiting each location might get lost. And Planescape is very much about the vibes at times. Uh, I'm running a new Planescape campaign right now, and it's like, okay, we're starting on a prime material world, which is where all these characters are from, but then we're going to go to Mechanis, uh, so they're going to have to deal with, like, the laws and the way that magic is affected there, and then eventually they're going to go down a plane to Asheron, which is, like, the lawful, lawful evil plane where it's just people are stuck in endless wars for all time, and so anything that you do has, like, a equally balanced effect to continue this war. So if you heal someone, someone else on the other side also gets healed. If you summon someone, someone also gets summoned on the other side. And so, like, these very different ideas all will sort of get a feature with the prime material plane being a here's how we started, and here's where we're going. Hmm. All right. And then on the other side of that, let's say you're a player. I've never played in a Planescape campaign. I'm about to start. Any advice for me how to make the most out of it as a game as a player in a Planescape game? Uh, if you are going to go and play a character who is a prime, meaning someone from a prime material plane, using a bit of that slang, enjoy not knowing things. Like you mentioned, oh, you'd love to be able to go and experiment with things. Yeah. Go ahead, get messy, don't look up monsters, don't look up what effects are going to be. Like, have the experience and GMs, you should probably give them an inspiration point if they're trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. And if you are going to be a planar character, uh, like, think about what your beliefs are about how the world works based on where you come from. Like, well, I did mention the uh, kid from a small town entering the big city, there's also a lot of presumptions that, like, people coming from big cities have about small towns or other places. Like, right. if they grew up, or if they're going into the countryside, they might be lost, especially if that countryside is on the uh, quasi-elemental plane of water, or of ice, of ice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of fun there, and and you it can go both ways. So you can have the moment where the wide-eyed country bumpkin, you know, gets taken advantage of in the city by a slick-talking, you know, con artist person, and then the street-savvy person has to come in and like, no, don't tell everyone your name. No, don't tell everybody where you're from. And then you can have the other side of it where the city slicker gets, you know, in the wilderness and can't find up. And someone's like, well, you know, I know where water is or I know how to survive. So it's, you know, you can kind of play it both ways so that both sides of that equation gets a little bit of time to shine and it's still fun for everybody. Mm -hmm. All right. So final question here is where can people go to find out more? Obviously Planescape currently is a dead setting. There's a lot of different places where you can buy books on like drive through and, you know, probably find them on eBay or what use bookstores. But is there a particular place like a wiki or somewhere that you think people should go if they really have questions, they can go and find a lot of information. Uh, so like I'd also mentioned, there's a large fan, uh, like network that is still up. So like Mimir.net or really if you're just looking on anything in particular about the setting, like you will get results. The only downside is if, uh, it's something that was included in Planescape Torment, because then you're also going to get a bunch of like video game references but, uh, like, Mimir.net is a really big fan site. Uh, there's a few others. If you do want to, like, get a uh, start on the setting, 
definitely just pick up that Planescape campaign setting book, either digitally or physically, if you want to drop that kind of money. Yeah. But, uh, like, that gives you the best chance to be like, oh, wow, this sounds really interesting. I want to know more about this. Oh, here's a, like, fully expansive book written about this. Because, uh, like, they have books on the inner planes, books on the outer planes. Uh, they have a few play sets. They also have a bunch of adventures. And generally, it's also fun to read. Like, the books have character compared to, like, I tried reading the initial Spelljammer book, and that was a slog. And I've been reading mm-hmm. the Planescape books for almost a year for fun. So... Apparently, the the transfer to the handheld console wasn't a great adaptation, but would you suggest people try to find that Planescape Torment game to play it? Uh, Yeah, I I feel like it's also... I don't have a lot of familiarity with 2nd edition D&D, and that's what a lot of the game is based on. So, like, how spellcasting works and other things of that nature, it's... There is little to no tutorial for how to do things in the game. Mm. And uh, it, it's definitely difficult at moments. Okay, so something to consider. Mm-hmm. So, well, Luke, thank you so much for coming back again for the second version of Planescape. I really appreciate your time. Uh, where can people find you if they want to interact with you on the internet, talk to you about Planescape, or any of the projects that you want to plug, feel free. Uh, yeah, you can find me on Twitter at, at Coltreg, that's K-O-L-T-R-E-G, uh, I have RPG Pals Club, which started as a Waterdeep Dragonized game and has slowly turned into a Planescape game. Uh, there's Established Property Playhouse, where we've done a Pokemon arc, we've done a Fallout arc, that's another actual play. Uh, Tales from the Outlands is a podcast that I do about the Outlands campaign that I had mentioned with the GM from that. Uh, if you like to just hear people talk about their campaigns... Uh, for a lot of various newer projects, there is the Unbearable Weight of Nicolas Cage and other podcasts, where it is a Nicolas Cage film discussion podcast, and for all my other various projects, like comics, or I am actively writing out the uh, Planescape campaign that I'm currently running, uh, you can find that at LukeHair, L-E-K-E-H-E-R-R dot com. Fantastic. Well, Luke, thank you again for joining me. Uh, Everyone listening, I hope you have enjoyed this as well. As of this recording, I still have two of these left to do that I have not yet found co-hosts for. One is Dragonlands and the other is Forgotten Realms, kind of the biggie of the bunch. Uh, I am still actively looking for people for those, but we will see uh, because it probably will be like July before anyone hears this. Hopefully by then I have found somebody, but if you are enjoying them, please let me know. I love to hear comments on the the website. When I post these, go there and leave a comment or hit up like the the Twitter uh, where I post it there or Facebook. Let me know that you're liking them. Let me know if there are any other settings because there's a few that are more lesser known that I didn't quite decide to pursue but if there's enough interest i might reach out and see if i can find someone to do it like ghost walk is one of the uh, the ones that i've come across but i have not yet decided to do and uh, if you have suggestions for other series that we could do here at the rpg academy uh, i would love to hear it your ideas can't guarantee but we will do what we can and lastly, I want to plug our Patreon. 2022 is probably the year we have finally got our stuff together. It only took us 10 years, but we have a very active plan for 2022. We have a lot of patron-exclusive things that we are doing. Um, we just revamped in January. Our, our Patreon looks completely different. Not surprisingly, we had quite a few people dropped off, which we kind of expected, but we're hoping to build that back up. So we have patron-exclusive episodes coming out every week. We have a book club. We are currently reading, which by the time this comes out, we'll be way past, but uh, the Graveyard book by Neil Gaiman. The next book we're going to do is Light of the Jedi, part of the new Star Wars High Republic series. We're doing monthly uh, media watches. We're going to pick a movie, watch them as a group, all kinds of stuff we're doing. So please consider supporting our Patreon at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. All the links to that and more will be in the show notes. Uh, And finally, just remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. Thanks. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. 
We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. The music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.